Peace, everybody. Welcome to episode four of the podcast known as Behold Pop Culture, a show where we take a look at some prominent figures and events in pop culture today and try to see the lessons that we can take away from them. Today, we're going to be talking about something that could be considered a series of events or maybe just a feature of our culture that's growing every day. Today, we're going to be talking about fantasy football. Now, I'm sure that that is going to divide those listening pretty quickly to those who are into it and those who aren't. I hope that those who aren't could just take the time to see what's so appealing about it. So to begin, I'm going to give a little description of what fantasy football is exactly. I'll refer to Oxford for the exact definition and just read it off here. Oxford defines fantasy football as a competition in which participants select imaginary teams from among the players in a league, usually fantasy football, and score points according to the actual performance of their players. So essentially, you're forming a team of real-life NFL players and competing with either your friends or some random people that you decided to join a league with. And the better these players perform in real life, the more points your team gets. And typically in what is considered a head-to-head matchup, whoever's team has more good performances, better total points, wins each week. Typically these leagues range from around 8 to 16 people, while there's several bigger and smaller leagues. And the most prominent part of this is usually the draft. That's what most people talk about. This draft where you get to get the top players in the league to the lesser known players who might turn out to be league winners. The most prominent platforms for which people use to play fantasy football are currently the NFL website, ESPN, Yahoo, and CBS. So within this multi-billion dollar industry now where there's a lot of money being brought in, a lot of new innovation, by which now there's even a league where people draft real-life players and get to pick their plays. I think that there's some lessons in it that those who shun it, those who tend to frown upon it and call these people outcasts, are failing to understand. I'm not using failing to disparage these people, but I think that there would be a different general opinion if these people who automatically shut it down would learn about it. Now, before I go into the lessons that I've gathered from fantasy football that I think could apply to most players today, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that there is an aspect of dehumanization that I've seen several articles talk about. I'm specifically referring here, though, to the New York Times article with Jonathan Stewart, a running back or former running back of the Carolina Panthers. Jonathan Stewart claimed that because of the facet of fantasy football, now people who may not even be fans of football or actual fans of football may betray the humanity that lies in it. They may no longer care about the livelihood of the players. He believed that through fantasy football, injuries are cared about less. Now he's seen, and this was to cite it in 2015, 
but to this day, I believe that there's some truth in this. People now are less concerned about injuries. They start to disparage the players when they get hurt because they can no longer win their money. When a fantasy football player spends a top draft pick on Julio Jones, if he's out for the season, they're not concerned about whether Julio will recover. They're concerned about what's going to happen to my fantasy team. So within that, I've seen some strong resistance from more than a few real-life football players. And my counter-argument to that is I believe that that sense of dehumanization There was already remnants of it pre-existing. I think that if you're a Jets fan and the Jets are playing the Patriots when Tom Brady was there, you would cheer if Tom Brady got hurt. Because at the end of the day, people are competitive. They want to see their team win. Now, while I know that that means that these people coming in that don't care about football or just using it for money might perpetuate that opinion, I still believe that that's not just the fault of fantasy football. And because of that, I don't think fantasy football should be blamed for the dehumanization of athletes. I think there's a bigger conversation to be had about the way that not just America, but the way the world views entertainers. But that's not the purpose of this podcast today. Today, we want to talk about the lessons from fantasy football. So I've broken it down into about six lessons that I think are the core essence of fantasy football. So I'll start with number one, satisfying a competitive nature. I think it's clear with uh, billions of viewers and the Super Bowl being the, the biggest event in sports. It pulls ridiculous numbers every year because even people that don't watch football know about it and want to see what it is. So within that, I think a lot of the fans of football, the true fans and some of the casual fans who know how it works are usually pretty competitive. And fantasy football is a great way to satisfy that competitive nature. You can gather with a group of friends and compete with them. I'm sure that a lot of fantasy football players probably wish they could be in those athletes' positions or at least idolize them in some way, shape, or form. So through this, they get to be a part of the game in a way that wasn't available before fantasy sports came into existence. Rather than just gambling on who was going to win the game, you could pretend you could enter this fantasy world where you own the team, where you're the coach, where you're the, the manager of the team. So within that, you're satisfying this competitive nature by feeling like you have control over the game. You have control over your team, who is put on your team. And it puts you in this world that statistics are now showing fantasy football is such an escape that it's affected productivity in several businesses. So the first lesson from it is sometimes people just have a competitive nature that needs to be satisfied. It's nothing too complicated about that. So we'll move on to number two, community building. I've seen fantasy football referred to as some sort of a cult, a club, a group, uh, all types of teams and names that 
are used to describe this community that's built within the fantasy football following. I think that with fantasy football, you can get closer with your friends, closer with people you don't know. But just in general, people who are truly passionate about fantasy football, they care enough to come together and make sure that everything goes according to plan. People will gather to ensure that the rules are as good as they need to be. They ensure that the rules are going to be fun. They ensure that everything that happens during the football season is fair. And connecting to the prior point, the community that's built builds on the competitive nature by tightening the community. The more you care about who you're beating, the better the community is built. If that's your close friend, you'll get even more competitive just for the bragging rights or in the case of money leagues for being able to win the money. So a lot of people who love football, who may have struggled to find the right community for that, they find it with fantasy sports. They find a way to be unified for those 16 games out of the year. So I think the second lesson is the importance of community building. A lot of people are searching for those core friends, the core base that they'll be with them for multiple years and onward. And fantasy football is some sort of an easy way to bridge the gap with that. Maybe someone you've never spoken to, you find out likes football and you just invite them to your league to get to know them better. And when they join, you can become close friends. I've seen this occur not only in school, but I know that there's many offices that you could find reports online that have come together that have strengthened their bond through fantasy football. So the second lesson is community building. The, the fantasy football community is strong because they've been viewed as misfits for so long, the community has become stronger. And now that money's coming in, I think a lot of people who viewed it that way are now starting to at least look towards fantasy football one more time and just see, maybe I was wrong. Or maybe you were right, I'm not here to choose sides. I'll admit that I am biased, but I just want to shed light on some of the lessons that may have been overlooked. And the third lesson is learning statistics. People who are truly passionate about fantasy football have to do their research. You can't just be a casual fan and think that you're going to win your league. You have to know everyone's numbers, how they play against certain teams, which defenses are good against which position. I think that ESPN's Matthew Barry has sort of monopolized this field. He reports the numbers, but he's the most famous personality for it. He's coined the fantasy football world by being the voice that spoke out and is pushed by ESPN. Of course, there's several other prominent figures in the fantasy football world, several of which are on ESPN, but Matthew Barry was the first to really pop in the world to where now every Sunday before the games, he has this two to three hour show that people are looking to, to see who they should start and who they should sit. So I think that people who may not have been open to learning statistics, people who in school may have shied away because of how many numbers you have to look at, fantasy football eased 
the way into the statistics field. Not only is it creating jobs, many jobs for statisticians, but casual people are learning how to work with statistics. They're learning how to choose which numbers are the most relevant. They're finding correlations to get their edge over their opponent. It's easing statistics into pop culture in a way that wasn't there before. I think that that's something extremely valuable considering that pop culture is looked at as distracting from academics when in fact it can bridge the gap. The fourth lesson from fantasy football is learning bargaining and negotiations. One of the most fun parts of fantasy football is trying to get off a trade that you know is probably not fair. But the fun part is in the bargaining When you have a top wide receiver, but your running backs aren't as good, you may need to trade that wide receiver for two decent running backs. Or swap, simply, if you have a good wide receiver core. I think that with fantasy football, you learn value. You learn how to exchange. And knowing a person's worth, something that's not necessarily a common thought. You start to learn how to exchange value similar to when you're a kid and you learn how to trade two beans for an apple. That may not be the exact reference that you're thinking of, but I'm sure that in your childhood, you've had experiences where teachers try to show you how trades work in the real world. So fantasy football is an easy way to get a little bit of a higher level of learning with regards to bargaining and negotiations, especially when your team needs it. You start to learn when a risk is necessary. And this is a skill that in the real world is extremely valuable considering that negotiations classes are held so highly in academia. So I think that fantasy football is an easy way for the common person to start to understand how bargaining and negotiations work. Beyond just finding a valuable trade, it's a lot of learning who you're trading with, learning what they like, finding what their team needs, and giving that to them in a way that works out for both of you. Maybe they need a wide receiver more than they need a running back, and you need a running back more than you need a wide receiver and you make an equivalent trade. Sometimes you're just gonna be the sly guy who's nice with your words and you can get one over on your opponents. It's all a part of the game. And that's why I think that that lesson is extremely valuable and extremely easy to get into. The fifth lesson that I've taken away from fantasy football, and it connects to the lesson of statistics, is learning to research. I think that just looking at the top result in Google isn't typically going to get the job done. Many people, young and old, learn how to navigate the internet in new ways. Because if everyone's just looking at the same source, then you're never going to have an edge over your opponents. If you find that hidden YouTuber or hidden blogger who has a different spin on things, that maybe is more aligned with your thoughts or offers something that you haven't seen before, you'll want to cherish that and use that research to keep an edge over your opponents, trying to find the value, trying to find 
the player that they're not thinking about that actually has great opportunity. So through fantasy football, you can learn how to research in new ways, expand your knowledge of the internet. While that's a brief lesson, I think it's still a lesson nonetheless. Which leads me to the last lesson, the sixth, which is having fun. Sometimes you just need that release and if football is your release, don't be ashamed to add fantasy football to that. If it boosts the game, if it makes the game more fun for you, don't be ashamed by that. It's your fun. So I think that in conclusion, fantasy football has been a phenomenon that's taking over the culture day by day. Every year, there's more and more fantasy football players. There's more and more bloggers, more and more researchers. People are trying to step up their game every year. Even someone as prominent in the field as Matthew Barry is trying to find ways to get more and more accurate with his predictions. It's fun. You can sit back, relax, and watch your hard work pay off every week. Maybe when you're having a tough time at the office, you need that something you have a little bit of control over. While I do think that that's something that can be beneficial to football fans, and I do mean this will be beneficial to football fans and maybe gamblers as well, I believe that fantasy football should continue to grow. And again, reflecting back on the criticisms of it, the dehumanization, I think that fantasy football fans should also be aware. I would disclaim by saying that you should not dehumanize athletes. These people are putting their bodies on the line every single week, and you're not. So as you enjoy it, just know that these people are doing this as their job. They're putting their hearts out there. And always remember that. So when you have your top player get hurt, it's reasonable for you to be upset. But don't take that out on the athlete. It's not their fault that their bodies are getting destroyed every week. They're doing it for their families. They're doing it for their livelihood. And I think that they deserve respect for that. So in that respect, let's mutually enjoy it. They should be able to enjoy their game and not be criticized for getting hurt for not giving you one more fantasy point. That's not their fault. And we should be able to enjoy watching them play in whatever way we want. So to the fantasy football players, enjoy it. Enjoy this time where you're being able to connect with the sport like never before because who knows where we go from here. This is the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. If you have any feedback or advice, I'm trying to get better, just like I'm trying to advise ways that you can get better. So any feedback is welcomed in the reviews. Or if you just generally enjoyed it, please subscribe and let me know. I hope you have a good day. I'll talk to you next time. Peace.